You're listening to Creative Rituals with me, artist and illustrator Georgie Stewart. This is a new podcast about the daily habits of artistic life. Each week I'll be asking writers, artists, musicians and all kinds of creatives about how exactly they get down to it and make great work. How do artists plan their day to generate and protect their creativity? For the final episode of season one, I have a very special guest this week, the children's illustrator Rachel Dean. Rachel creates dreamlike illustrated worlds through her use of rich colour palettes and characters who are full of life and energy. She lives by the sea in Liverpool and has illustrated 24 books to date. Unsurprisingly, Rachel describes her proudest achievement as becoming the new illustrator for Dame Jacqueline Wilson's books. I chatted to her about this incredibly exciting chapter in her illustrative career and her day-to-day life as a creative working in the children's book industry. Could you talk a little bit about your practice and the kind of art you create? Yeah, sure. Um, so I I like to create really rich visuals, um, lots of colour, lots of textures. Um, I try and paint traditionally as often as possible, but with the fast pace of the um, children's book industry with deadlines being so tight at times I found it a lot easier to work digitally as well so I try and combine the both if I can um and in terms of my uh creative uh practice um I always find that I need to be surrounding myself with creative things like music and podcast whilst I'm listening and um and to make sure I've got a really lovely space whilst I'm working. So I'll even like have candles and things like that around me because working from home by myself, it can get a bit, a little bit boring sometimes. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, there's times when you don't have inspiration because of that. So, um, yeah, I do find myself um, making sure that my space is as lovely as possible and um, and also making sure that I get out a lot if I can. So I'm lucky to live by um, a national park, so uh, which is about five, a five-minute walk away. So I'm always going on walks around there, and I like to run as well. And just getting inspiration from the scenery really helps my creative practice as well. Yeah, I love that. I think it's so important, especially when you are working digitally and looking at a screen all the time, because I'm very similar in my practice. I have the digital side of things and then painting, and I kind of do sort of digital for more illustration clients and then the paintings like in my free time yeah um so do you have a preference between let's talk about that those mediums do you have a preference between the two and yeah how do you view both of them how do they work together I think I find traditional painting more therapeutic and more enjoyable because you don't always know what's going to happen which is really nice um you know people call them happy accidents sometimes and you can't always create that with digital work it's really hard you feel like you're forcing it trying to create these these same kind of textures or um, marks um but um but I do I do love the efficiency of digital working as well and I've got so used to um tapping things and deleting things that sometimes I'll go from working digitally for ages to painting and I'm doing funny things with my hands because <laughs> I'm used to clicking my pen and to delete things and uh, my digital pen so um both are very different um but I find the traditional painting more therapeutic and yeah I'd say that was more enjoyable actually yeah yeah because it is so handy when you're sort of working on a project for I guess a children's book for you and because there are often so many changes and I say can you change that and if you were working by hand, it would be an absolute nightmare. And it's yeah. a lot of time it's like, no, I can't really change that. But with the iPad, you can just go back or add a new layer or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. It's the layers thing more than anything. Because we've got, working with publishers and designers, they always ask, is this on layers? Is it on layers? And I used to work, when I when I painted more, it was just one piece and you, you get what you're given. <laughs> That's what it's looking like. 
But because it's all to do with titles and shifting things around now, I, I will work more digitally to put everything on layers to, to move things around. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think artists like Hockney have done such great things for the medium of iPad because I think it was something that was maybe looked down a bit on by the fine art world before, but he's really sort of elevated the status and he, you know, encourages us to use these tools. They're just a tool and he kind of says it's the medium of drawing stays the same. It's just the delivery that's been adapted. You're still drawing. It's just with a digital pencil rather than a wooden one. Yeah. And it's the way the world's going as well. I mean, it doesn't have to all go that way. I think traditional work still definitely is so important. But I think the digital world is just, you know, blowing up at the moment. It's surging forward. And um, I'm happy to be going along with that because, you know, it's 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 relevant the way that that kind of work is. So, um, no, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy I, I get to do both, really. <laughs> For sure. Because I followed you from way back <laughs> years ago, before you were a children's illustrator, when you were doing more kind of landscape yeah. style pictures, um, and you got headhunted yeah. via Instagram by your literary agency, who asked you, "Would you like to be a children's illustrator?" Could you talk a little bit about that process? Yeah, um, it was uh, about five years ago now, um, and it was when I was creating those landscape landscape paintings um and I don't think I was I wasn't actively searching for an agent I was just enjoying creating um what I love to create and I think I had a shop open at that point an online shop so I was um selling prints and doing commission work like personalized commissions um but yeah I got an email from my now agent who just asked if I'd like to talk through um signing with them and um I was a part of the association of illustrators at the time so I was a member and they were brilliant um so I sent over the agency pickled ink to them and just said is this legit is it how are they are they really good and I, and I looked at their illustrator list and I was amazed by the illustrators they had they had some incredible illustrators some of my favorite ones in the industry and I think I was sold on that. I just knew that they were brilliant because of that. And then I ended up having a Skype call with my agent now, uh, my now agent. And yeah, it was just a, it was just brilliant. I, 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 they were so friendly. It was all um, uh, women managers in in the agency, which I really liked as well. And um, it's just been fantastic ever since. I don't think I've ever been out of work since I signed with them. My agent is incredible. <laughs> She's so good. That's so nice to hear. And how did you find that transition into children's illustration, having not done it before? It was it was a mad change. It was a very big change. Um, I think I had to be so much more disciplined because um, deadlines are so tight in the publishing industry. And I mean, you're, you you illustrate books yourself. I've seen on your website. Yeah, well, I've done like a couple of book covers, but I would love to do children's book. I've actually just got a deal through for my first children's book, which I may be going back to what you were saying because I've not done it before. It's a bit like ah, but I guess it's kind of you're learning on the job. You abs- I think you do have to learn on the job unless you've done some sort of course in children's illustration, which I didn't. Um, you do have to learn on the job. Luckily, with my agent, I just talked through things with her when I was um, confused or uh, if I got anything wrong. And you do get things wrong. Um, uh, yeah, but it, that, that's the way you learn. So it was it was I had to be a lot more disciplined and I had to learn to work to work even more quickly and also to learn to juggle projects. Not all illustrators like to do that, but I had to do that. I think basically because of income, I had to juggle projects, but now I do it more so because of that, but also because I need to be busy. So I just need to have things stacked up constantly. So it's usually the case that in one day, I'm working on two different projects at the same time, and I might break my day up in that way. and I always make sure, if I can, I always make sure that I get the deadlines on the day, on time, um, because uh, but publishers are changing the deadlines all the time, so you've also got to be really flexible. Yeah, it's good to have that sort of 
structure to work within a deadline yeah what is it that you love about illustrating children's books specifically and is this something that you see yourself doing forever what do I love I love I think because I grew up reading um and it was always I mean illustrating for me has just been throughout my life there was never a point where I didn't I haven't been artistic and I I could not see myself doing anything else so, you know, from a very young age, I was drawing in the books that I was reading. I would draw in the pages. It was always something I was working towards. And in a way, I, I believe that I might have manifested it. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, I was always working towards something. Um, so it's just been inherent in me to want to do that. And that's what I love about it. The fact I get to do what I've always wanted to do. Um, and it just it feels like even though I'm working with people, um, I think the more that I'm working with publishers, the more freedom I'm feeling with certain with certain publishers. Certainly uh, publishers that I've been working with for a while now will send me projects and say, we trust you. We want to see what you come up with. Whereas in the beginning, it was very much, we want it like this, this and this and this and this, and you've got to do it this way. But I think because when you get a working relationship and, it, and it's going well, it's nice to see that they're giving you a little bit more freedom to come up with something. So I love the freedom of it at the moment. It's really nice. Yeah. I find that so hard sometimes when when someone comes with such a specific brief of we want the person here and the path here and this here and, and you're like I can't make a picture with energy yeah because I'm just following some idea that's really specific in your head whereas as you say when they kind of give you free reign you can yeah translate so much energy and joy into the image but if you're kind of following a map it, it just loses all that oomph yeah, and sometimes it, you lose yourself a little bit in it, and and then when you send it on to designers, sometimes they'll they'll tweak things and change it, hopefully with your consent. But you would end up looking at the end piece, and it's like, oh, that's not what I was planning. <laughs> but um, but it happens, and and not every project's like that. So um, but it's it's yeah, as as you said, it's nice to to put your own energy into it and your own flow. Those projects are the best by far. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about Jacqueline Wilson, yeah. <laughs> um, because that must have been an amazing day, getting that email or first call or whatever. I know it's not usually one day that kind of the contract takes a while to negotiate and actually go through. But yeah, just talk me through that experience from start to finish. That must have been mental. Yeah, so I, it, it was... Um... So I, re I remember the whole thing so well because it was like a pinnacle moment in my life. Um well, look, to start with, I, I did you read her books when you were younger? Yeah, I'm literally obsessed with her. Yeah, so same here, same here. I think our, our generation were just obsessed with Jacqueline Wilson books. I remember in primary school, all of us coming in, reading her books on reading day and... Um, and uh, yeah, so I loved her, I loved her books. I loved Nick Sharrett's illustrations. Um, I used to write, um, I used to do uh, presentations in class, and it was on Jacqueline Wilson and Nick Sharrett. Um, so that was that was already they were already my favourite author and illustrator. And then one day, my agent called me and she said, "Oh, I'm not sure, but would you be interested in being put forward to illustrate a sample for Jacqueline Wilson?" And I just remember my heart stopped. Oh my <laughs> I, god! I'm ventilating. Like, <laughs> um, yes, straight away. Um, and this was just to put to, to illustrate a sample. So she explained that I would be going up against other illustrators for the job. Um, to see what would fit her new book, which was the Primrose Railway Children at the time. Um, so it was basically to illustrate um, some character designs. Um, we, we, we read a snippet of the of the book, illustrate some character designs, illustrate some color cover concepts, and then a black and white illustration for the interiors. Um, but it was at different stages, so it wasn't just all in one go. And you would almost like have to go through different stages, and you get through to the next and the next one. And as I got closer, I started to think, oh, this, I could maybe get this job. Who knows? But yeah, then I, I got the phone call through. It was it was an in, in the evening and I was cooking dumplings at the time in my kitchen in lockdown. And uh, it was that horrible lockdown in 21 when it was really dreary in January, February time and everybody was moody and it was horrible. But then I got that call and it was just incredible that I'd got the job. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And because she's worked with Nick Charlotte for so many years now, how did that 
job open up I guess like did they want to kind of refresh her image or did he want to work on different things or yeah how did it come about yeah as far as I know I think uh Nick Sharrett well they've been working for together for 30 years so it was quite a long time and I think he was wanting to go more down the route of writing and illustrating his own books so they they're obviously on on great terms but parted ways because of that and then the next illustrator that they wanted that Jacqueline wanted she didn't want it to be a replica of Nick Sharrett or a copy they wanted something quite new and different so yeah I think that's why they went for for my kind of style because it's I wouldn't say it was similar at all to Nick Sharrett's but I think it's still got that kind of bold the colours because her covers have always been quite bold and eye-catching so it's nice that she's still got that consistency yeah it must just still be so such a trip to see your name on her book. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, I, I I don't think I'll ever get over it. I pinch myself constantly. I'm walking on Waterstones and I'm like, that is crazy. <laughs> yeah, and she is lovely. She seems in real life. Yeah, she, yeah, of course she's absolutely lovely. And she's really calm and collected and wise and and interesting and I think she's and she's so observant you can see it in her writing she's just observant and um I know everyone treats her like royalty when we're around her and it's just it's really lovely I bet she's down to earth as well well she's she's Dame Jackie isn't she she's Dame Jackie <laughs> Wilson oh I've been sat on a couch with her looking at her like this is a dame <laughs> it's crazy but you know she's just and but she's completely down to earth and and um it's amazing because I've been on stage with her a couple of times now and she's just a natural I know she's been doing it for years but I'm there with my heart like this on stage (laughs) and um she makes me feel a lot more calm and um yeah she's she's just great at making people feel good (laughs) And talk me through the creative process of illustrating one of her books. What's your starting point? Well, so I working closely with the design team, um, and I and I do talk with Jacqueline occasionally through emails as well, just to make sure I get things right. I, I'll usually um read um the manuscript, I'll get sent over the manuscript by the design team. Um and in the beginning of the projects, they would be a lot more specific with what they wanted for the project. Um, just to see how it would uh, play out and see if my illustrations would work with the the stories. Um, And then it got to a certain book, I think it was maybe the second or third, where it was quite difficult. It was a difficult topic to to illustrate and they wanted to see what I could come up with. And I remember illustrating about 30 something ridiculous different cover concepts thumbnails um because it was so difficult um to come up with something uh that was going to going to work and luckily they found things throughout all of that and came up with something so it was kind of a working process back and forth with them and after that I think it kind of set the precedent and that was a really good way to work so I'll always um sketch quite a few thumbnails for them and they'll kind of you know, pick pick apart different ideas and we'll all collate together one cover that that works. Um, But the things that I look at for inspiration um, usually are other books, other illustrators' work, other artists. Um, uh, I also love Pinterest. I think Pinterest is incredible. Um, It's an amazing place for inspiration. Um, And as I said, I like to go out and get into nature. When it comes to colour palettes, sometimes I'll see things in nature and I think it's gorgeous. I'll take photographs of it and I'll take that photo and put it onto a mood board and with lots of different Pinterest pictures as well, almost like a collage. Um, And I also use, I don't know if you've heard of coolers.com. Have you heard of that? No. It's incredible. It's brilliant. It's um, it's a color generator website, and it just if you're just struggling to put colors together for anything, it'll pair them together for you to help you. Coolers. How do I spell that? Coolers. It's c o o l o r s dot com. Amazing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, lots of different things uh there, and then once um. Once I've read the story and I've got some cover composite cover composition ideas, I'll then illustrate these sort of these like fact file pages for the characters, which I, I did as a child. I used to do it all the time and I've still got those illustrations there, which is really nice. Um, so I'll just draw the character how I think 
they could be and draw um, write down all of the uh, traits and descriptions at the side of the character and usually I'll send those directly or sometimes directly to Jacqueline because she's got the ideas in her head of what she wants um, the, the characters to look like and um, so far I think I've got most of them right which is really nice so yeah but then it's also go through the design team as well so yeah, because that's quite rare, isn't it, to send it? Because usually the author maybe doesn't have as much hand, but almost nothing sometimes. Yeah, I guess when it's Jacqueline, she's got uh, she's got a bit more say in the matter. I think she has. She's a dame. She definitely has more say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned there it was very difficult to illustrate a certain topic. What what was that topic, and why was it so difficult to illustrate? I think, as far as I can remember, I think it was the it was her book, Baby Love. So it was. It was about teenage pregnancy and the um, age range was 13 plus. And firstly, I'd never illustrated for that age range. It had always been younger children. And for me, it was like trying to think back to that age, like what would be appropriate for a book cover for that age? Um, and it's also quite vague, 13, 13 plus, like going up to what? it was. I was trying to figure that out. So I'd go into Waterstones and other bookshops and just look into the teenage section um, and it was a lot of typography and abstract illustrations where I was used to character-led uh, covers. Um, so, again, that was a lot of trial and error. Um, and in the end, it, we came up with a really abstract uh, silhouette of the character looking sad with the um, title illustrated almost into her silhouette, which and it was set in the 60s. So it was all very 60s themed. And I think it worked really well in the end, but the process was, it was arduous. <laughs> it was really difficult, um, but it was a challenge and I learned a lot from it. And I would definitely love to try that age range again, just to push myself out and challenge myself a little bit more. Yeah, sometimes you just got to go around the houses, don't you, to get get to the final result. Um, but when you're drawing, are you using pictures as references, or are you? Is it entirely from your imagination? I'm always using pictures as references. Pr pretty much, I mean, not so much when it comes to characters now, because I feel like I've developed a certain style with my characters. So. Um, in terms of of how they look, I go. It's almost like a formula. I'll go into exactly. I know exactly how to draw their face. Maybe with clothing, I'll I'll get inspiration. You know, sometimes I need to look at a picture. What what are kids wearing today? What's the cool stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So I need to research that sometimes. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm usually. I'll, that's why I create the mood boards in the very beginning. I'll have a whole mood board full of uh, clothes, pictures of uh, scenery um lots of different buildings and I'll have it up whilst I'm drawing the the cover illustration uh the cover thumbnail so it does help nice and you mentioned earlier that you juggle multiple projects at once um you strike me as someone who's very sort of organized with their time do you create a strict work schedule for you to stick to I think I've had I'm not always great with my time so I need to I do need to um I, sometimes I have alarms throughout the day to tell me to do things <laughs> because I can just illustrate and illustrate and draw and draw until it's dark and then I've not not done anything else so um so I have to be I've learned I have to be disciplined um and break my day up and breaks are really important so in in the beginning in my early 20s I would have, I would just work constantly, these ridiculous block, like 10 hour blocks without moving. Um, but um, I actually benefit more from from coming away from it. So um, I do have, uh, I, I call it, it's called a daily balance pad, which is incredible. And I, I, I have to have a to-do list constantly to tell me what to do <laughs> throughout the day. And I break up my week by doing that really. And, um, and, uh, and it helps to be around people who work, like nine to five jobs so my partner does that and uh you know I get up when he gets up you know as soon as he's home I'm like right I've got to stop now don't carry on <laughs> and also with my weekends uh, you know sometimes you have to work weekends because you know you're just that busy but um no I, I just try and cram it in as much as I can <laughs> in the daytime <laughs> in the in the days so yeah it's 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 a work in progress but I've definitely got better the older I've got with it <laughs> And could you talk me through the timeline of a typical working day for you? 
Yeah, so um, at the moment, I'm I'm waking up quite early. I'm getting up about six o'clock. And as I said earlier, I'm into running at the moment, which gets me motivated for the whole day. So I'll try and get out on a run. Um, and then I do like, after that, though, I like quite a slow morning. So I like to watch an episode of something that I'm watching at the moment, listen to music, read. I like to just wake up a little bit before I start. And then I'll usually be doing boring stuff in the morning, like admin and emails. <laughs> um but if I continue to do that, you can just be doing emails all day, can't you? Because people are just getting back to you constantly, aren't they? So um, I try and pull myself away from that. And it's usually about late morning that I'll start getting be getting into my work. And as I, I said earlier, I'll make sure the space is lovely. So I've got music and candles. And um, yeah, I'll just work throughout the day, basically, till, till five o'clock. And it's not very interesting. <laughs> that's my day no I just love that kind of I'm obsessed with artist routine and the more I'm like really nerdy with like the granular detail (laughs) the more detail the better um so you mentioned there about getting your space all nice could you just visually describe um your workspace for me what kind of things are in the room what do you see looking out the window well at the moment, I'm in the process of moving house. Well, not move, quite not quite moving house. I'm buying a house. So I have a very makeshift space that I work in and it is not interesting <laughs> at all. I'm I'm working, this is this is not the room at the moment, but I'm working in uh my shared bedroom with my partner in his family house <laughs> on a fold-out table. But before that, the house I lived in before, I had an incredible studio. I absolutely loved it. It was um it was a a room with tall ceilings it was great so lots of light um and I covered my walls with posters and you know old calendars that I had I pulled out you know illustration calendars I pulled out the illustrations and put them all over the walls like a big collage just for inspiration um and I had a big bookshelf and I would put my books the books that I was working on or had worked on sorry I'd face them out because to look at them to see the consistency of them so with especially with Jacqueline's work um I'm on the I was on the fifth or sixth I'm on the sixth book now so I'd have each one by each other to make sure they all looked consistent and when I was drawing I would look up and just check that I was keeping in with the style and the theme so for me visuals are so important um and um yeah just to have a, a really creative colorful interesting space that keeps me inspired throughout the day really is really important right now I don't have that so I'm probably struggling a little bit but I'll get there again I'll get my studio again one day (laughs) and are there any little things that you do any specific little rituals before you start creative work I guess yeah before you start drawing like sounds smells maybe something you wear I think you mentioned candles earlier anything that makes you think okay I'm in illustrator mode now I think it's probably music more than anything. So um, as I said, especially when I'm traditionally painting, it's like a therapy thing. It's like therapeutic and I find it really calming. So the music I love to listen to is like neoclassical music. So lots of gorgeous, peaceful pianos. Um, yeah, and it just gets me into the zone. As soon as I've got that music on and the house is quiet, I'm completely zoned in and I love that. And I try and like turn my email notifications off because otherwise I'm like you know distracted just whilst I'm working because it's nice to be able to fully go to that place and be focused yeah I need to do that I've got these new headphones then they I don't know how to turn the feature off but they rather than my phone buzz they will tell me like Siri will tell me you know Ted just messaged you blah 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 <laughs> I'm like please oh I have that with oh, I have that with my Apple watch and I just want to turn it off and I need to really but sometimes it'll buzz and I'm like no <laughs> alone (laughs) and illustrating for one of the biggest if not the biggest children's author in the UK do you ever experience um imposter syndrome with a job that huge yeah I think I've I've never quite got out of that since I've started in the children's book and illustration industry anyway because uh well I feel like I came into it so young I was 23 and I was don't know what I was doing I was just figuring out life and I'm still doing that I guess but um so I just feel like I was coming into an industry and a lot of people I was seeing doing really well in the industry were in their you know mid to late 30s 40s they'd had so much work behind them and 
as I was winging it really in the beginning <laughs> and learning a lot as I went. And uh, yeah, there's definitely imposter syndrome has been there. But the, I, I guess the older I'm getting and the more books I'm doing, the more confident I am with it. So when I get, especially middle grade fiction, when a middle grade fiction project comes through, I get really excited because I feel like I'm confident and it doesn't scare me and I'm not overwhelmed. I know exactly where I want to go with it. And I love that I'm learning that about myself, that um, I think it's a slow building, growing confidence that I'm, I'm developing, which is which I didn't really have at all in the beginning. <laughs> Yeah. And what are the biggest challenges you face as a children's illustrator? What is the hardest part of the job for you? Um, Hardest part of the job? I mean, I think probably the workload because it is it is hard at times, especially to switch between projects. So at the moment, without saying what I'm working on, I'm working on a very... um that kind of cute lovely story about farm animals and then the next story I'm working on it's like these monster creatures (laughs) which is not really what I'm used to doing but it's been so challenging and it's the second book of a series so I didn't I didn't know that was what the book was going to be like but it was it's incredible and it's so different so switching between projects and as I said I'll split my day up so maybe the morning I'll work on this farm one and then the the second part of the day it'll be a different type of project and to be able to go to two different mindsets and two different focuses throughout the day um is can be difficult sometimes um so that's why I guess I try and split them up and have that break at lunch and then right the next part of the day is going to be a different project (laughs) um so that's difficult um and also I guess for me personally I'm I find uh pitch books quite difficult um I've not done too many yet but it's something I want to do more of and those are the kind of projects that come through that are very exciting because there's lots to do with them but I get a little bit more nervous about because uh I haven't had enough experience in them but that's that's good because I had that in the beginning with the middle grade fiction work and now I feel quite confident with it so I just think I need to do more of that so I guess projects that I haven't done enough of I find quite difficult um when they come my way but then just need to do more of them so (laughs) yeah and there's a first time for everything isn't there that that my children's book that I'm going to be working on is a picture book and it's a huge project isn't it because it's usually sort of 32 illustrations and it's such a relationship between text and image yeah um the the pictures say what the words don't say yeah do you know what I mean it's but I think yeah challenging yourself and just kind of jumping in feet first is yeah way to go definitely and I think with picture books it's it's so on the illustrator as well as the the uh, author whereas I feel like in the middle grade fiction you're just complimenting whatever the author has created you're just complimenting it um and and you know you're obviously you're helping it like massively because it helps create visuals and the, and the cover is really important yeah because that's what you pick makes you pick the book up in the first place yeah that and it's really important the covers are really important uh but with picture books i think it's the responsibility to just to, to, to carry off the whole book so and tell the story yeah tell the whole story but oh my gosh good luck with yours so you've had no experience yet with a uh, with the uh, picture books no, I feel like it's it's a good thing because I've been wanting to do my own book for ages, but I've not got that idea yet. I think you need the really good plot idea. So I think actually doing someone else's book and getting paid for it as my first one is quite a good way to sort of, I don't want to say test it out. Because yeah, I'm, well, you can, it kind of is. <laughs> obviously going to do... I'm gonna do the, the, obviously the best job I can, but yeah, and just learning about the process. As we said before, you can you only learn unless you do it. So um, I'm sure you'll smash it, and and you know just research, look at other people's books. I've got so many picture books that I thumb through constantly, and there are some amazing ones. Like I, I think that's what I find quite overwhelming when I see how amazing some of them. I'm on like, I don't know how. But um, but now I'm sure I can't wait to see what you create. That'll be brilliant. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and who are the artists or illustrators who have informed what your style is now? Do you think? Oh gosh, there's so many. <laughs> it's not just one. Definitely not. There's lots. Um, I think I was initially really inspired by it's actually an editorial illustrator, but for color palettes, I really loved Mark Conlon. 
he was brilliant. He just, I think I was inspired in the beginning of, of me creating my, um, developing my style. As soon as I saw his block colour palettes, I think that's what made me go down that route. It was, um, I really wanted to be bold and eye-catching. And I think at that point, I wasn't sure whether I was going to be an editorial illustrator or children's book illustrator. But he definitely inspired me. Um, and one of the illustrators who is in my agency, who is incredible, is Julia Sarda. I'm completely obsessed with her work. I think she's so talented. I uh, studied her in university and I just loved her work. So she's incredible. Um, there's an illustrator called Adelina Lirius. Have you heard of her before? No. She illustrates really beautiful, organic, um, sometimes fantastical illustrations. Um, they're really endearing characters and the colours are just stunning. She's brilliant. And um, and I also loved Oliver Jeffers just for his actual for the obviously his work is gorgeous because he does all sorts now. But the stories are just fantastic. I'd love to write my own books one day, but um, they're really uh, original and quirky and and lovely. And yeah, him as well. I loved his work. Yeah, I love his work. Julia Sarder, I love as well. I think I I did a little sort of week long children's book course a couple of years ago. And she came on as a guest lecturer, and yeah, I just love her stuff so much. It's kind of like witchy, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind. Of, it's not, so it's nothing. I, I don't. You can't really see any of my work <laughs> like that at all. Mine's quite the opposite. But it, but I think the composition and the way the way her work sort of patterned. Um, I'm trying to think which book. I think it might be the the Queen in the Cave. I don't know if you've read that book, but some of those scenes, there's like ants and there's like a worker ant army um, uh, winding around the page, and the text is like winding with it, and it's just so clever. Um, and I think that's what I'm inspired by. I can see like a little bit of her work in your work because it's coming back to me now, and I remember I something that she says always sticks in my mind, and it was definitely her that said it. She said. Don't be afraid of copying other artists and illustrators. We're so scared of copying, but what you draw out from each different artist that you like, you will kind of borrow a little bit from here, a little bit from there. And what will come together is the amalgamation that is your style, your true style. Yeah, that's lovely, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's something new that doesn't end up being looking like anyone else's, but it's definitely got inspiration from other people. I love that. That's a really good idea to look at it. Yeah. And how do you express yourself creatively outside of your work? Um, so I'm quite um I'm, I'm a very musical person. I love to um play the piano. Um and that really it's music. And as I said before, I I grew up a very in a very musical family, very creative family. It was always encouraged. So um I think because my work is so um I'm so busy with it it does it is work it's not um a hobby anymore uh whereas it used to be my painting used to be something I, I went to um besides the job I had it was something that was fun but now it's definitely work so I definitely needed that other outlet so I love to play the piano I love to listen to music I love to go to concerts and gigs and watch composers play live and and yeah, music. <laughs> yeah, I actually completely forgot, but it's coming back to me now. You, you, because you sometimes put little videos on your story of your piano. It's so relaxing. Yeah, yeah, that's my outlet. And people say to me, "Oh, you should do something with it." And I'm like, "No, I need to keep this just <laughs> as my hobby. I need something just for me. That's just for me." So, uh, no, I love doing that, and it plays. As I said, it plays into the creativity of the of the artwork as well. Because as soon as I hear uh, piano uh, music I, I feel inspired to paint so it's nice <laughs> it's nice that they go hand in hand <laughs> yeah that's lovely let's talk about Instagram because Instagram has been instrumental in your career it's how you got headhunted but in terms of the pitfalls of Instagram for creatives like us sharing our drawings it's really not what it used to be in terms of engagement and your work reaching a huge amount of people since the algorithm changed a couple of years ago and engagement has, yeah, has gone down massively because now videos um, and reels being pushed more to compete with apps like TikTok. So 
still images of artwork or illustrations aren't being shared or celebrated as much as they used to. Did you notice this shift? And if so, what effect did it have on you in terms of your work and your views on sharing it? Did you mind at all? Yeah, it was it was quite um, it was a difficult shift. I definitely felt it. Um, I was really engaged with my Instagram um, a few years ago. Um, that's how I, I think I got my connections now, my agent and um, different publishers that I've worked with, I think found me through Instagram. Um, and I was I think I would speak a lot more on my stories and communicate with people. But I started to notice that the engagement was just going down. I mean, I used to have thousands of views on my stories and I'd get so many messages and I'd be talking to people and I felt so connected to people. And um, that's how I would get so much commission work. And it dwindled. It just dwindled day by day until it got to the point where I just gave up um, because it, you were putting so much more work and effort into that and not getting anything back really and because of this I also had to close down my um, online shop which was a real shame um, I mean I, I don't think it'll be closed forever but I'm in a transitional period of moving between places anyway so I've put everything into storage but uh, but my shop definitely definitely got affected I mean that that's not just because of Instagram that's also because of Brexit and all all sort of all the terrible reasons but um no it was um it was a real shame and uh I definitely lost out on money because of that um but I'm also lucky to have an agent so I wasn't looking for work through my Instagram anymore because she was getting she was going to meetings like she goes to New York um every other year and has meetings with people there and you know she goes to um children's book fairs so she does a lot of the work to get me the work which is incredible if I didn't have that um I think I would struggle um but it's but I've also kind of been out of the game for a bit with with um content creating um I've tried to create a few reels but they take so long that I find I find it so overwhelming and it was so much easier a few years ago as you said just to post a still and just to do a really you know create a caption with it and then a few stories along with it but now you, you have to be like a videographer and you know have all I don't I don't even know how people are doing it but but then again I do because people do put time aside for it and also people are paying people to do it now because it is a job in itself I have a cousin who's an illustrator um, and she pays someone every month to do her content for her on social media which I think is a, a good idea if you can afford it which I might end up doing eventually um but no, I, I did get affected by it. And the, the thing that's come out recently is threads. I don't know if you're on threads yet. Um, I'm the, not. You're not on it. <laughs> I wasn't a big Twitter fan at all, so I wasn't bothered about Twitter going down. Uh, but when threads came, I, I quite liked that because it was back to stills and it was obviously talking. Uh, you were talking a little bit more. You were ga- engaging with people. And within the first week, I'd connected to so many different people and opened up so many different discussions. And I was posting my work and... Yeah, maybe the numbers, the engagement wasn't massive because it's a new platform, but I was talking to people like I hadn't been talking to people on Instagram for years. And it was it was really nice to feel like, oh, I'm part of a community again, which was lovely. So I think there's something in threads, definitely. That's so. interesting because I kind of no, no, no. <laughs> I that's interesting because I kind of thought I don't need another app that I'm addicted to, which is why I refuse to go on TikTok as well. But that's interesting to think about it in terms of more of a conversation around your work. I wasn't even thinking sharing your work would be something on threads. I don't know why, but that's interesting to hear. Yeah, I loved it as soon as I got onto the platform because because it downloads your followers from Instagram. It was all the people who had been following me for years who hadn't been seeing my posts or we had just lost connection with. And straight away, because everybody was on that app at once, um, there were just um, posts constantly asking things about the industry. And it opened my mind up to things that were happening that I didn't know about or questions to be asking. And um, it was brilliant. And people were messaging me and and I was posting my work. It just felt really good to be talking to people again. So... I hope that keeps up. I hope it doesn't get um, littered with ads and <laughs> how Instagram has gone. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's kind of a nice relief for you in a way. I guess, as you're saying, lucky that you had your children's book work, which doesn't rely so much on Instagram because you're working for your agent. So in a way, was it kind of a relief that you don't have to be using the app all the time and so reliant on it? 
Yeah, it was. It was because I lived through it. I lived through the app and I would be going to bed thinking about what can I post tomorrow and how can I get this out and what can I paint to? And I need to paint this and post it by Thursday to get the engagement up. And it was becoming the wrong reasons to sometimes, not always, to to get to create work sometimes. Um and it was like a, it felt like a bit of a burden. And that's probably why I was doing such massive blocks of working, because I felt like this pressure to to create things for other people constantly and I don't know if you've noticed but I've not created things for myself and posted them for a long time (laughs) which isn't a great thing because I want to be able to do that I I don't have the time at the moment but I no longer feel that pressure to have to do that because I've I've kind of just been kinder to myself about it um so yeah that pressure was it was it was what was wasn't good and I, and I know loads of people feel it they probably still do feel it but at that time um to, to to get a big following and to chase the numbers at the same time it was a it was hard work <laughs> and in terms of your illustrative career how do you measure success where would you like to see yourself in 10 years um I'd love to always be doing this I love this I love my work I love creating illustrations for books um I would also like to dabble in other creative part industries I don't know what yet maybe design um maybe graphic design maybe website design um just with the way that the digital age is going I'd like to get my foot in the door with that as well but I will always I'd like to think I will always be illustrating children's books. I'd also love, and, and I've got to be careful with this because it's setting myself a big goal, but I would love to illustrate, no, sorry, write my own books. Um, I've been writing, but <laughs> nothing's working yet. <laughs> or I, I'm not very confident about it, so I need to just keep writing and writing until something works. I've got about eight different ideas and books that I've started to write and something goes wrong and I don't continue but um you know people become writers in their 50s and their 60s you know there's no there's no rush in my head Jacqueline Jacqueline is an example (laughs) you know she boomed in her 50s so um who knows (laughs) so for now I think I'm definitely just riding the train of what I'm doing now absolutely loving it not setting any big goals for myself in the near future because I just love the way the way it's going um looking at potential other avenues beside my book work and then hopefully one day writing my own books yeah I think writing for children as well I think often people think it sounds easy but I think it's harder than writing for adults because you can't patronize the reader you have to really get into that mindset of a what do children want what's it like to be a child and it's a it's a it's a very skillful art yeah, it definitely is. And and even so, even more so with picture books, because you've, you're writing less, you've got to say more in less words. So I've tried to write a few picture books and I'm a waffler. So <laughs> it wasn't going well. Um, so that's why I think maybe middle grade fiction, I'd like to try writing. Um, but yeah, that's just, you're totally right. You can't patronise them. And um, yeah, you've just got to, it, it's about, uh reaching your inner child you've got to go back and picture yourself that's what I was doing with one of the covers the baby love cover I was thinking at 13 what book would I have re- reached for what would it look like at that age so you've got to be connected with that part of you yeah and because as you as you get older it's harder like when I think back to when I was really young and you're just writing stories all the time and you're not thinking about it but as you get older these sort of fears creeping up but this isn't any good whereas when you're younger you're never thinking this isn't good you just write no you just write exactly so yeah yeah I think there needs to be we need to be kinder to ourselves I need to be kinder to myself and uh I think build up the confidence and for me I tell you what I'm doing now all I'm doing is research so I read children's books I will I I should probably read other books as well for adults but I just read children's books all the time and I feel like I'm just data collecting and figuring out how different authors approach things what I want to write about do I want to write about fantasy do I want to write about real life things like similar to you know the kind of stories that Jacqueline writes um what what do I who do I want to be what does my voice want to be and um I'm just in that kind of discovering phase of it all I don't want to rush into something before I'm ready so that's where I'm at (laughs) 
Well, we'll just end with some quick fire questions, if that's okay with you. Yeah, no problem, go on. <laughs> Best book you've read recently? Uh, I've just nearly finished Some Kind of Happiness by Claire Legrand, and that's been brilliant. Oh, but I have to also say Wildwood by Colin Malloy. Colin Malloy was fantastic. I don't know if you've read it, but it's brilliant. They make it into a stop motion film and I, I'm just so, I cannot wait. But they're both quite similar because they're to do with the wilderness and fantastical things in the wilderness and brilliant. <laughs> Are they both children's books? They're both children's books. They're, they're very Narnia-esque. Yeah. Oh, nice. What job would you have if you weren't an illustrator? I think a a designer a graphic designer or a something like a ui designer so user interface or or maybe a pianist <laughs> something to do with music or something to do with um still creative but something to do with design so always creative definitely and finally why is living a creative life important to you because uh, I can't imagine what life would be without creativity. It's I live and breathe it. Everything I do throughout my day, it'll be something creative. So I, yeah, I just can't imagine life without it. I think it's very important to stimulate your mind. It's not for everyone, but I think it's definitely built into me personally. <laughs> Lovely. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me today. It's been so nice to meet you. You too. These have been really good questions, and it's just been nice to kind of. Um, it's nice for me to reflect on where I'm going and what I'm doing um, and yeah it's just been really lovely to talk to you and I, I was looking at your work before online and it looks fantastic and I can't wait to see what you're creating with books it just thank you so much you, you're in a really exciting stage before you're really going into the industry and, and picking picking you know starting off and it's yeah I can't wait to see uh, what happens It has been such a joy recording this podcast. It's something that very much started as a little private passion project. I wanted to follow my curiosity and yeah, turn it into something. And I've loved every second of making it and the learning process of creating a podcast. Creative Rituals will be back after a little bit of a break. And I just wanted to say a massive thank you to anyone who's listened and shared it or sent me a message to say that you're enjoying it. It's really lovely to think that other people are feeling inspired or getting something out of the conversations with the amazing guests. And a big thank you to them for coming on too. You can find Rachel's work on Instagram at Rachel A. Dean and you can find me at Georgie Stewart Illustration. Thank you for listening to Creative Rituals. Something you can do which would really help the podcast as we start prepping for season two is to just take one minute out of your time to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews are invaluable as the more the podcast grows and the more people it reaches, the more time I can invest in working on the podcast, the better guests we can get on and ultimately the better episodes for you guys to listen to. So to leave a review, simply go onto Apple Podcasts, type into the search bar Creative Rituals, click on our page, scroll down past the episodes and you'll be able to tap on the stars to rate us or click the button that says write a review. I really appreciate your feedback.